Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. I'm Angela Martin. And I feel like you wanted. Me, I feel. Like, I feel like you wanted me to applaud you then for no, being yourself. I just wanted you to say who you are. I'm trying to try to do the thought, um, professional thing. Of, uh, I thought you were just leaving a dramatic pause. No, I was just introducing <laughs> myself. Unless you were, you know, I'm. So Kerry obviously cannot introduce herself. So um, I would prefer to be introduced. It would make me feel slightly more important. Well, it, then it feels like I'm interviewing you. Well, I don't know. Just feel like you know. Could have added a bit of fanfare around it, made me feel special, but that's fine. I'll introduce myself. I'm Kerry. Hey. Kerry Smith, <laughs> not like Madonna with it's just one name. She has two names. Kerry Smith. Yes, it is a boring and predictable name, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Smith is really pointless to bring up, isn't it? Because it doesn't just dis- distinguish me from anyone, really. Okay, well anyway, welcome to episode three of our podcast. We've actually this is the third one, so this might actually be a regular thing. I did wonder if we'd keep this up. I mean, there's still yeah, time for, sure. for it for it to sort of fall to the side. But I suppose for those that are new to the show, here's the the lowdown as to just what the hell you're listening to right now. Um, <laughs> we're from the band Bug Eye, and each week two of us will come onto the show. Uh, that makes it sound like there's a set and something really cool. It really is is just in a a back room surrounded by a laundry in my house. But <laughs> at the moment, we're actually doing a dial-in separately because it's like isolation mode but anyway back to what this is about and we can come on to isolation in a minute um so each week there'll be two of the band members on the show and we'll each come armed with one a story from the world of rock and pop be that a music legend myth or something in between um two will each come armed with a track to play of a new discovery of that week or a band that we think that's uh that should be on your radar and three, we will get facts wrong. We will swear. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> and we will no doubt ramble. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to correct us, as people often do, I mean, certainly I'm corrected every day of my life. I like to think I'm right and <laughs> I am just wrong all the time. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> true, for sure. So, you know, so if, if you have a correction or if there's a story you'd like us to cover or a band you'd like us to play, then please do drop us an email at rockpoprambles at gmail.com. And if you really like what you hear, please do subscribe to the show and share with your friends. And if you really, 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 really love the show um, and our band, of course, head over to Patreon to become one of the family. Uh, we've got all sorts of exclusive bonus content on there for your kind support. So that's... Um, exclusive music bonus podcast episodes we're going to do a making of from our last music video that will be on there soon um all all sorts of stuff on there um and a massive massive shout out to kate milestone actually for joining the fold this week she's a new patron so yes thank you thank you and actually um kate milestone i just need to i was just like google google in her site so you need to check out kate milestone actually um her website is made by mrs m.co.uk 
and it's textile design and illustrations by Mrs. M. And she's got like a shop on there that you can buy all sorts of stuff. I've I've bought stuff from her in the past, actually. So I am delighted that she's a fan of the show. Um, so yes, go over to Patreon and you you know you can get a shout out just like that on on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. So I suppose so on today's show, I'm going to play a voice uh, I can't even speak it's because I'm wearing these kind of headphones me and Kerry are not actually in the same room um I'm in Croydon yeah, is... and where are you Kerry I am in Leytonstone so yeah it's a bit of an experiment uh today to see how this this works out because you are currently self-isolating aren't you Angela well yes it's I'm I'm in quarantine I had um a call from nursery saying that my daughter had a temperature and a cough and to come and get her and I collected her and she doesn't have a temperature or a cough but (laughs) but 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 it would be I think quite irresponsible if I just sort of went yeah she's fine and just sort of invited people over and went about life so we are self-isolating this is this is day one and uh yeah how are you doing so far I'm about to break. No, I'm not really. <laughs> no, it's Keeping fine. It together. It's fine. I watched the Fight Milk live stream, so I've been to a gig. Yeah, I watched that as well. It was brilliant. I'm now having beers with you, so it's like a normal day, really. Yeah. Just, uh, we're, yeah. This is the first time we're having beers on the show as well. We're normally supposed to have cocktails, but that hasn't quite worked out for either of us today, has it? Well, it did work out for me, but while I was waiting for you during Fight Milk, I could, well, I couldn't wait, really. So I thought, ooh, I'm going to have this <laughs> week's cocktail, which was um, espresso martini from Sainsbury's in a can. And oh, I have it? to say, no. <laughs> Just, no, not, not, not a recommendation on that n- one? No, 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 no. It's... Uh, it it really wasn't. I mean, I still drank it all, of course, but um, of course you did. It, it still wasn't. It still wasn't. <laughs> Can't let it go to waste. Well, no, exa- I don't know how long I'm going to be in here. It's like you know, alcohol is a precious thing, so uh, don't true. waste it. But um, I'm now drinking um, a Camden Hells um, from a glass bottle because I'm classy. <laughs> I also uh, I attempted to go to the supermarket to buy uh, a tinned cocktail to keep with the theme we've sort of had so far, but was unable to really find any there were kind of a couple but they didn't look very interesting so i ended up going for a brew dog elvis juice to still sort of nice you know go for something a bit interesting so i've got a nice grapefruit infused ipa on the go right now do you now. think do you think there is actual elvis juice in there i really hope not <laughs> and what what sort of juice would that be well i don't know but right now we should be staying away from all of each other's bodily fluids really shouldn't we so <laughs> But you get on with Elvis. Um, so <laughs> today on the show, I'm going to talk about the mummers and puppers. And my new discovery is a band called Void. Um, Kerry, what are you? What, what's, uh, what are you up to? What are you talking about? Well, I am going to talk about uh, kind of an unsung hero of uh, of the music industry. Um, so it's someone who's played on countless hits who you'll have heard thousands of times, but you have probably never actually heard of them. Is it Buckeye? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that we've played on thousands of hits just yet. <laughs> and sorry, I'm going I'm to correct myself already. The band isn't called Void. They're called Avoid. But as in two words, A, 
Boyd. But there we go. So I did my own corrections corner right Perfect. there. So uh, and then yeah, the band I'm going to talk about is Morning Tourist. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, I'll get into that a bit more later on. I suppose. Well, depending. I don't know what order are we doing this in today. I don't know. Should we? Should we jump straight into a story? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I don't mind. Don't mind. Because I, I, I feel I feel like if I flipped a coin right now, you wouldn't know if I was telling the truth or not. Well, that's true. You so you might as well just decide because it's the same either way. I can hear a siren. Are you alright? Yeah, they were <laughs> they're coming for me. You're no, s- uh, yeah. You're there sitting in the dark again. Flashing lights for her. I'm sitting in the dark again. Look, I've explained this to you. It's either mood lighting or very harsh spotlights from the ceiling. So it's all about the mood lighting right now. It's just yeah. Like this sort of silhouette, it's a bit creepy. I live to creep you out. Do you really? Yeah. That's that's every day. That's sad, Kerry. I don't I have think, much else going I think, on. I think you might need to get a hobby. <laughs> um okay. Who can you remember who went last? Who went last? You, who think, went first I, last who time? Went, I think you went first last time, so maybe well, I you, should go first. Yeah, I think you should go first. Alright, cool. So, I gave a little build-up already, I suppose. So, yeah, someone who's played on lots and lots of songs, um, but you've probably never heard of them. Uh, have you ever heard of Carol Kay? No, I haven't. You're not? Well, you're about to. Are you, are you saying, so, well, actually, do you mean Carol King? Are you just trying to give her no. a cooler name? <laughs> Carol no, Kay. I definitely don't. Okay. I mean Carol Kay. Oh, okay. Uh, so, she is basically one of the most prolific recorded bass guitarists in rock and pop music. Uh, she's played on an estimated like 10,000 recordings in a career over about 50 years. And yeah, you've never heard of her before I started looking into it. I'd never heard of her. So I felt like that was a pretty interesting person to have a chat about, really. Oh. I, was, I was just <laughs> trying to work out the... That was a bit ten... of an underwhelming reaction. No, no, no. In my <laughs> mind, I was trying to find some sort of mathematical way of working out... 10,000 records, what would that mean in time spent? But you can't really work it out because it would depend on the song and it would depend on yeah, how much rehearsal. That feels like it's a boring, a bit, of a, point, a bit of a pointless thought exercise, really. Yeah. What are you going to cool. do when so, you're isolating? You know, this is well, kind of challenges you, you set yourself, yourself. Pointless mathematical questions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she basically. Uh, you know, she someone who started playing guitar when she was 13, so started pretty young, as you might expect, having been on that many records. Um, and uh, she was out playing jazz and bebop gigs in LA by the time she was 18. Uh, she said, uh, I was reading an interview um, in Louder Sound with her, um, this is a quote from that interview, she said, uh, at that time in Los Angeles, there were hundreds of clubs and places to play. It wasn't like it is now. If you were good and wanted to play, you got your chance. I was a white girl with blonde hair, but I was welcome in the black clubs. If you could play, then you were welcome, and I was welcome. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, for us as women in music, I feel like we often get asked uh, sort of about our experience as women musicians and, you know, how people react and whether we've always been accepted on the same level. Um, I've heard to be saying that even, you know, as far back as kind of, um, you know, the 50s and 60s, um, that as long as she could play, they didn't care about her race, they didn't care about her gender. It was just about the fact that, um, you know, she could play. She could play as well as any of them, and that was all they cared about. Um, so anyway, um, 
so yeah, so she was kind of accepted um, and she was playing a lot around the clubs um, in LA uh, until she uh, eventually got her first sort of recording session, which wasn't something she was sort of initially that interested in doing. Yeah. Uh, but based on the offer, it was sort of one she couldn't turn down. So her very first session in 1957 was for Sam Cooke. Yeah. If you're into your soul music. Um, and uh, yeah, she played on uh, his arrangement of Summertime. Uh, if you know that one um and then that was followed by you know she did such a good job um you know started getting asked all over the place so she also played shortly after that in 1958 played acoustic in fact these are on uh, guitar at the moment i should have mentioned so so far she was playing guitar um and uh, so then in 1958 uh, she played acoustic guitar on richie valens la bamba oh no richie valen mm. i'm gonna do his story at some point are you? Do you know his story? I don't know much about. No, oh, I don't know much oh, about. Oh, don't look it up. Don't look it up. It's. I'm not yeah. going to look it up. I just know the song La Bamba. I used to cover it. La Bamba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's because don't you know the whole story? The, okay, okay. I, I, I will do the day the music died, which is okay. also touched somebody. Oh body. yes, I do know that story. Yeah, yes, I do know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but do I you do know, know his story? Anyway, yeah, we'll. we'll I'm gonna. Cool. Yeah, I'm bagging that one. So before Grace and. <laughs> Paula, jump on it. It's mine. Don't touch it. It's gone. Um, so, yeah. So then around that time, uh, she also worked a lot with Phil Spector, um, playing on most of uh, the Righteous Brothers hits produced by him, uh, including You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Mm. So, yeah, just pulling out all these songs that you didn't know that she was uh, involved in. Um, so she was sort of, yeah, playing mainly guitar um, on sessions like the early part of her career. And then in 1963, uh, there was a bass player who didn't show up for a session at Capitol Records that she was playing at. Um, and so she was asked to fill in on bass because same thing, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, again, I've got like a, a quote from her from that interview, um, which I thought was interesting. She says, uh, I started creating lines that I always heard in my head, things that I thought bass players should play. I just provided what the music needed. This was pretty important during some of the early rock and roll dates. A great singer like Sam Cooke, you didn't have to do too much to what he did. But some of the rock sessions, if we didn't add some interesting lines, the songs would have sounded very flat. The music needed a little help and so did the singers. So she's um, quite pioneering actually as a bass player because yeah. a lot of stuff, I mean obviously with rhythm and blues very different, but with a lot of like white rock and roll yeah. stuff, I suppose, like there wasn't really... It was all about the guitar, even the drums took like a bit of a back. It was like just keep the beat, and bass yeah, yeah, was yeah. fairly, fairly standard and boring. So for her to be thinking like that is really, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's kind of exact, exact, exactly my point. That you know, not only is she sort of on all of these this insane number of records that we've all heard without sort of knowing who she is, but she actually had a pretty big contribution to the what those records sound like. Okay. Because, you know, she did come in with this different attitude of trying to write bass lines in such a way that, you know, it actually contributed to the music and made it more interesting. And um, I'm going to get onto in a little bit some of some songs where, you know, that's almost the most memorable part of the song, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's just interesting, I think, as well as for her, but in general, how you've got these session musicians who, you know, play on all of these records and who you never really know who they are, but actually contribute a lot to why those songs become hits sometimes or you know why they sound how they sound 
um, and sort of never get recognition for it. And yeah, really, exactly. Like I say. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Because you know, I like when I was starting out in a band, and you know, I I worked as a session musician player and and things like this. But um, one of the things that never occurred to me um, until much later was that session musicians that go into a recording studio, I never did any recording, it was just sort of more the live playing stuff. Sure. But they, it was like they'd write stuff and it's like they just give it to the artist and they don't get any yeah. credit, like you were saying, because it's just not deemed as important. I think that is absolutely outrageous. Like, yeah, exactly. if you can't write your own fucking bass lines, then you have to give credit <laughs> to people. And also exactly. drums as well. It's like, it does... <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I, think, I, think, I feel I think like that's attitudes are changing to that, right? Yeah, and I think you know that's sort of our attitude in in our band is that as well, right? Like we feel like that I pay each of us you nothing. It's, it's yeah, it's exactly, mine. exactly. No, <laughs> we feel like each of us contributes well, something, you and you know the way that um, you know we talk a lot about how you know Grace joining and her keys parts have affected the sound of the band and. Um, you know, yeah, just how each of us, you know, adds something, I suppose, and changes the the overall sound of what we create. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she she quickly became uh, the most in-demand session bassist uh, in L.A. Um, yeah, the number of hits that she's played on is just ridiculous. Uh, if you go to her website, you can see pretty much, I mean, I don't even think it's a full list, but it's you know yeah. a selected list which is still very very long so i've just picked a few of my favorites out okay so she played on uh nancy sinatra's these boots are made for walking <gasps> love 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 that's the yeah. song i want to do a cover of yes definitely i've always wanted to do a cover of that as well that's good uh the, the monkeys i'm a believer another classic based on that yeah play based on the doors light my fire no way yeah played based <laughs> on that played based on a uh, she also, <laughs> pretty much all of these, I've just picked a song, but she played on multiple songs for all these artists. Played on Sim for Simon and Garfunkel on Scarborough Fair. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then one of the ones that is sort of like quite a famous bass line, which, you know, I would say is kind of one of the hooks of the song, is in um, Sonny and Cher, The Beat Goes On. It's oh, quite a yeah, sort yeah. of iconic bass line, and she wrote that. Um, that and I mean, that is, that. that is the, the musical hook exactly. of the song. Yeah, and she wrote that and, you know, essentially brought that song to life. And yeah, but is still just, you know, a session musician on it at the end of the day. That's it's just interesting, isn't it? It's, it's mental. Yeah. Absolutely mental. And then played, yeah, played for so many other artists like Frank Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, Barbara Streisand, Supremes, Temptations, Four Tops, Elvis, Ray Charles. The list literally just goes on forever. What an it's amazing insane. career, though, to, yeah. to have played on all of those records and actually... I suppose it's almost like she's a she's like a bit of a ghost writer, really, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it really exactly. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah, and then she played sort of most notably. Uh, she played on uh, she played bass on the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album. Ooh. Um, a bunch with along with a bunch of other Beach Boys stuff, and you know, Paul McCartney has said that um, that her bass play uh, that his bass playing on uh, the Beatles Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club album was inspired by her work on Pet Sounds. That's yeah. I mean that that's one of the things the Beatles have actually said that that whole album was the inspiration of trying to do something a bit different, which is why they worked with George Martin on that. Yeah, that album. exactly. 
So, uh, yeah, she's just out there pioneering everything. And then she's also been played on tons of film and TV scores. Um, she got involved with Quincy Jones back in the day. So, again, just picking a few out kind of older stuff. She played on the old Mission Impossible and Adam's Family TV shows. So that the classic Mission Impossible baseline. Not saying she wrote it. I don't know that she wrote it, but she played it for the, yeah. you know, the original TV series. Um, <clears throat> uh, also... Uh, more recently, she's still, you know, she's still out there doing it. More recently, she's played for scores for ER, House, Angel, which you she's, might find she's still if she's still working. I'm not. Yeah, I think so. I mean, she's on stuff that's really recent. So yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and then film scores for Kill Bill, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Goodfellas, Naked Gun, Ocean's Thirteen, Pursuit of Happiness, Top Gun, American Graffiti. Again, I'm just picking a few I find so, interesting, but like I mean, endless is, lists of stuff. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, that I've not. I've not heard of her. Exactly. I, I, I hadn't before. I, I don't know what I was searching, but I came across her. But um, yeah, there are just... And you know, she's just one I've picked. There are so many session musicians like this yeah. Um, that, um, yeah, nobody sort of really knows who they are, but have been so influential on so much of pop and rock music. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean... You know, she's basically achieved critical acclaim as one of the best session bassists of all time to the people that are sort of aware. She's sort of known as like the queen of bass or the first lady of bass. Um, and yeah, despite being, you know, admired as one of these studio greats, she never expected to be well remembered. Um, you know, at the time of the sessions, most of the players thought pop music wasn't really going to last longer than 10 years. Um, so they're sort of, she, you know, she's surprised that people still listen to the tracks that she played on, really. Amazing. Yeah. So I don't that's, know. I just thought, yeah. That's cool. I'm, I mean, I'm going yeah. to go back and listen. Well, I've got nothing else to do now. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go yeah, back go and to, uh, listen to go, this stuff with fresh ears and just... Yeah, do it. Go, go to her website, com. She's got a whole list on there. So you can uh, find a whole bunch of stuff to listen to and trace the uh the influence of carol k cool yeah no well done that was really cool i like this thanks, i'm, I'm learning i'm learning i'm learning new stuff yeah it's what it's all about it's really just an excuse for us to educate ourselves more <laughs> no but seriously it just it, it's also an opportunity to kind of rediscover stuff that's in your record collection or, or things you you maybe haven't listened to before that you might want to just go and check out because there's actually yeah, an exactly. interesting backstory to it so yeah, no, I think I, I could sit and talk about music all day. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that is pretty much what we do when yeah. we're, you know, yeah. It it's is not what we do Kerry, when we, we hang talk, out. We talk about all kinds of crap. A lot of other shit. That's Your love true. life. Um, <laughs> we're not getting onto that in podcasts. <laughs> I've, already, I've already had to explain to my parents that. <laughs> doing a podcast but like the last episode i was like i don't really want you to listen to it because i just talk about penises a lot <laughs> <laughs> so you scared them off what well, i'm yeah I don't, I don't think my my dad realize realizes what a potty mouth i am <laughs> well there's um, yeah there's that as well so yeah. i've just i've sort of kept them away from it for now but i'm sure that they'll end up on there at some point so let's just not you know keep a barrier <laughs> <laughs> there's a line don't cross it yeah, don't cross it exactly Okay, um, so talking about avoiding subjects. Ooh, ooh, what connection. a link. Yeah, I'm going to play a track from a band called Avoid. And I was, I was kind of really looking forward to seeing them play 
on the 25th of April. And, um, I mean, who knows? By some sort of miracle, it might all Could be happen, back right? on. But, I, you know, I suspect that uh, all shows will probably be be cancelled. I don't want to jinx things or anything like that. I hope they do some kind of live stream because I've just heard really great things about them of their live performance. So Yeah, for sure, me too. So I really I really do want to see them live. So I suppose they what do they say about themselves? Void will delight you, disturb you and always surprise you. Um they're a three piece DIY rock band from London, Paris. Uh they're incredibly rock and roll like every picture you see of them on instagram it's like you look <laughs> like absolute legends you look about it's 10 true. so yeah. you probably shouldn't be drinking but um i'm sure they're older <laughs> than that but um i think i think that's maybe you showing your age there and just <laughs> no they do look incredibly yeah i don't whatever um if you want to check them out they do have social media obviously uh obviously i quite like obviously. their name it's um so on Instagram, uh, it's at avoiding you. Ooh. Ooh, good, good, good. So go and check out their rock and roll pics. And uh, on Facebook, it's avoiding you. I don't think they've got a Twitter account, but um, yeah, go go check them out. Uh, they do have a few shows, but I don't think they're going to go ahead. Um, like I say, I was going to go to the one at the Engine Rooms in London on the twenty fifth of April. Uh, but following that, they also have a show at the Sunflower Lounge in Birmingham. Oh, that's the, on the oh yeah, that's on the fourth of May. So you never know; that might go ahead. And then also, it's a the, cool venue as well. It's a really cool venue. And then the fifteenth of May, they're at the Black Lion in Brighton. So maybe fingers crossed. Hopefully, some of those shows go ahead. But if not, still go and find them on Spotify, stream their stuff. As I would say, you know share it like it add it to a playlist if they've got stuff for sale on sale online please do buy it because i mean especially now uh bands bands need your support more than ever so you know do just give them a listen even if they turn out to not be your cup of tea 30 seconds of a stream will generate what is it 0.009 of a pence cha-ching <laughs> So, um, yeah, so check them out. And this this is a song they sent me, and this is called She Threw Her Baby from the Seventh Floor.
with their song She Threw Her Baby from the 7th Floor. So like I say, check them out. I really can hear, even I don't even know if they're fans, but um, there's like, I don't know what I like about a lot of new bands that are sort of coming up at the moment who are probably quite young. They, they, they do seem to have this kind of grunge, indie 90s influence. Yeah, to them, whether they realise it or not. I mean, in this, I can certainly hear influences of Veruca Soul. I mean, I don't even know if they listen to them, but there's that kind of really nice American right girl grungy sort of feel to it, mixed in with something modern and refreshing still. Yeah, definitely. I get what you mean. Yeah, so uh, check them out. Check them out. I can't wait to see them live because it just looks entertaining. I did see a video of them i think it was one of the first things i saw which put them on the radar was um the singer uh camille i think her name is i've probably got that wrong um she was climbing <laughs> up on a, a speaker i think she was climbing up i'm totally remembering this wrong but in my mind the version is she's climbing <laughs> You're just up creating on, a story You're no, creating i think a she climbs right up <laughs> on like a speaker with, but she actually falls and hits the floor Oh, I didn't. I feel like she was hanging off of was something. She hanging? Like, yeah. I don't and, know. I might was, be remembering wrong now. We might be making up a whole like, story that didn't happen. No, something like that definitely did happen. It was like, oh my God, is she okay? Yeah. That must have hurt. Mm-hmm. And then also it was just one of those funny... I mean, maybe they even planned it, but I don't think they did. But, um, <laughs> I don't think they planned it. But yeah, just, just seeing some clips and stuff, they just they seem absolutely crazy live. So come on, Virus piss off I want to get out and see some bands play that's a, that's bug guy's line on the virus piss off virus piss off there you go there's your fucking you're being very disruptive yeah be gone with you yeah exactly right okay so moving moving swiftly on um i don't know do you want to hear about the mummers and papas yeah let's do it tell me Tell me, I I don't know anything. Fill me well, in. Well, no, no, neither did I. I mean, basically, when I was um, looking for ideas of what to do, and I wanted to avoid all of the obvious kind of people yeah. that we could cover. They will come up at some point, I'm sure. sure. Uh, but I, I wanted to do someone, un, well, a band that was unexpected. And I was kind of looking for our record collection. And we've managed to, we're luckily enough to sort of inherit from parents who don't really listen to records anymore i mean you know julia's dad passed away and we have his record collection and in that collection was mamas and papas Mm -hmm. and obviously i've heard them before you know i think everyone has but i didn't really know i don't don't really well exactly it's just you know and I, i like i like that you know the hits the ones that i know i like but i don't really know too much about them um, and it didn't take me long to find that this is an incredible story. It has everything, Kerry. It's like it? drugs, rock and roll, sex, incest, the mafia, Ooh. like all <laughs> all kinds of fucked up shit okay. in this story. Well, and I, was I like, am okay. I am ready. I am excited. Okay, so. And this has screwed my intro up a little bit because I was going to do a little bit of a guessing game thing here. Uh, but I'll read it out <laughs> anyway, but I've told you who I'm doing. I was like, imagine it's the late 60s. All the leaves are brown and there's a lot of corduroy, which is probably also brown. And the skies are grey. Who am I talking about? 
Is it the mamas and papas? All the leaves are brown, the leaves are brown, and the sky is grey. Anyway, yeah, um, yes, it's the mamas and papas, and uh, yeah, as I said, this this is totally a story that's got everything in it. It's not an innocent tale, um, and I was really, really surprised about it. So I'm just going to get straight into it. So, the mamas and papas, according to Wikipedia, are an American folk rock vocal group which, after another couple of beers, I won't be able to say that sentence. Um, <laughs> they, so far, so good. <laughs> uh, they recorded and performed from 1965 to 1968. Over the space of four years, the band released 17 singles and sold somewhere in the region of, like, 40 million albums worldwide, which in today, on streaming revenue, would earn you about £7.80. Perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, Spotify. Um yeah, so I suppose during the 60s, I suppose what you have to remember is that there was a lot of change going on. Uh, mm-hmm. 50s rock and roll had happened, baby boomers, growing yep. up. Um, and I suppose the mums and papas were a bit of a defining force in the music scene at that time of the sort of counterculture of the 1960s. I mean, you had there was so many social tensions. You had women's rights, you had... Uh, sexuality the civil rights movement a shitload of drugs and basically people were just questioning um the american dream to be honest what does that mean to them and and what their version of that that might be uh it was the rise of the you know of of a lot of different cultural activity the bohemians and the hippies have i set the scene for you yeah yeah Yeah. i I feel like i'm there yeah you're there i've gone back in time yeah um, so yeah, all right, Kerry. I know you're excited. So this is the rise and fall, mamas and papas. Um, so yeah, let's start with a little bit of background on the members, um, the band members. That is. Uh, so John Phillips. <laughs> sorry, John. <laughs> what other what other kind of members do you think people would be thinking about? Oh, I just. My mind went somewhere. Anyway, John Phillips <laughs> was born in August in 1935 on Paris Island in South Carolina. Um, and by the way, I'm just doing little snippets of their, any sort of little interesting facts about them, mm-hmm. really. Okay. So um, his father, Claude Andrew Phillips, was a retired United States Marine Corps officer. And the story goes that when he was returning from World War One, he managed to win a tavern in a poker game from another Marine. That's interesting. That's I think that's pretty cool. I just brought that, that up. That's my, cool. my recent when I was bored I'd, at an event and ended up in the casino to meet a friend for a drink. Yeah, that's and won exactly what I was roulette. thinking about. So I just think, you know. Yeah, you did. Yeah, don't gamble. Or, or if you do, but. gamble responsibly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, in his autobiography, Papa John, Philip, that's called Papa John. Sorry, that's the autobiography. It's called Papa John. Um, Philip says that his father was a heavy drinker who suffered from poor health. Um, being obsessed with music, John moved to New York. His first band, The Journeymen, was a folk trio, and they had um, were fairly successful, putting out three albums and a compilation album, all of which since have been reissued. So if you want to listen to those, you can find them. I think they're actually on Spotify. Uh, I checked a few, or was it Apple Music? I can't remember. I checked um, today, but yeah, you can you can listen back to that. Um, 
So he was in New York in Greenwich Village where he would then go on to meet vocalist Denny Doherty and Cass Elliott. So on to Denny. Denny Doherty was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He was... (laughs) (laughs) Nova Scotia. He... Let me do that again. (laughs) Denny was born in Halifax in Nova Scotia. He was one of five kids and grew up in a Catholic household. He began his music career in 1960 with a band called The Hepsters. So he's a bit of before his time. It was almost... Yeah, I think you could pretty much say he came up with the term hipsters. Oh, yeah. I I think that would be Hipsters, hipsters, I think think you could. So, you know, I think they need to add... Maybe we could add that to Wikipedia. Yeah, as a fact that he was the one that came. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but they split up two years after forming. um, But at that stage, he was still only nineteen, and he formed another band that had slightly more success. And the band was called. Oh, I'm such an idiot. That's not what the band was called. Like, I've put the band was called, and that's a question for you. Um, Obviously, they had a name with a fact, and I've not even put what the name is. So that is a question for you, actually. If anyone knows what that band was called, (laughs) can you email us, please? Because I don't. He was in a band that was... Yeah, We're really, really good at making our notes for doing podcasts. But there's there's some clues here. So I'm sure Google will will, um, bring the answer up. Anyway, they were signed to Columbia Records and had a minor hit with the catchy name of a song called The Man Who Wouldn't Sing Along With Mitch. (laughs) <laughs> who the fuck was mitch who knows and like that's what i want to know my question to everyone listening is who the fuck was mitch if someone i want to know that question yeah who what was the band and what was the yeah. backstory of that song yeah there you go and you will win a canned cocktail which <laughs> in a few months time it's gonna be really valuable. It's gonna be like gold dust. So you know, it's That's a really true. valuable. They're already uh, they're already few and far between. Exactly on the supermarket shelves. Anyway, that band split up in 1963, and this is when he begins his friendship with Cass Elliot, who was touring with her band, The Big Three, and she actually convinced the manager of that band to let um, Denny join. So the the Big Three became four, although they were still called mm-hmm. the Big Three. But anyway. Onwards to Mama Cass. Uh, she was born Ellen Naomi Cohen in Maryland on September 19th, 1941. And Denny Doherty said that Ellen adopted the name Cass while in high school, borrowing it from actress Peggy Cass. And then mm-hmm. she assumed the surname Elliot um, a while later in memory of a friend who died. So Ellen, Mama Cass, Elliot, whatever we want to refer to it as she left high school before graduation and moved to New York to pursue a career as an actress. Interesting facts here. Mm-hmm. Um, she toured of the musical Music Man in 1962, but lost the part to Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Oh, that is interesting. Um, another fact, have a listen to um, the song creek alley it's all about um this time in cass's life actually and how the mum mamas and papas met before fame and lsd took a hold really well i'm sure they were on lsd lsd when they wrote this but um but no seriously listen to the lyrics it's actually really nice and i'd I'd heard the song before but not really made so much of a connection but it's really it's a really decent i mean yeah there's there's kind of a difference between hearing a song and listening to a song yeah it's it's a really nice piece of um 
storytelling and really well crafted. So have a listen to that. Also, a popular legend about Mama Cass is that her vocal range, her vocal range was improved by three notes after she was hit on the head by some copper tubing while walking through a construction site behind a barn. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe she, that's what... Maybe, are you going to come sneaking up behind me to hit me over the head with some copper tubing now <laughs> to help with backing vocals? <laughs> <laughs> up on my notch. <laughs> um, no, I would never be so violent. I mean, you might, but... But you know what? She did actually confirm that that was true in an interview of um, Rolling Stone magazine in 1968 well I mean How? well I mean you know the fact that she was hit in the head and she thinks it improved I don't think right. there's any like scientific oh, yeah I don't see how those two that. things could possibly be connected okay right on to the final band member before I get to the nitty gritty of mm-hmm. this um yes so Michelle Phillips who was born Holly Michelle Gillum um Phillips uh, was critically acclaimed for her voice. She was deemed by Time magazine as the purest soprano in pop. She later established a successful career as an actress in film and television in the 1970s. Phillips is the last surviving original member of the Mamas and Papas, by the way. Mm. Um, so in mid-1961, at age 17, Phillips relocated to San Francisco to live with her friend. Um, and she began working as a model. So you can actually look up these pictures online. She appeared in a billboard advertisement for Lucky Lager Beer. Uh, she was also in print ads for coal branding bathing suits. So, yeah, if, you're, if you want to look at those, you can. They're online. Phillips quickly became immersed in San Francisco's music scene and nightlife. At a club in San Francisco in July 1961 is where she met John Phillips, who I mentioned earlier, the yep. band um while he was touring in california with his band the journeymen and the two began a whirlwind romance uh, he was already married of course um but divorced his wife and married michelle in december of 1962 she was only 18 at that Ooh. point pretty Ooh. young um but anyway that's that's what happened back then i suppose but uh, so the mums yeah. and papas were formed by john and michelle and they then recruited Denny on board, who put forward his friend Cass to join the band. Mm-hmm. Cass had some issues with getting into the band to begin with because she had to convince John, who had concerns that her voice was too low and his fucked up views that her physical appearance would hinder the success of the band. Because <laughs> oh, wow, Cass okay. struggled with obesity her whole life and was quite insecure about how she looked. Um he also thought that their personalities clashed. Needless to say, Cass joined the band, and thank fuck she did, because she's incredible. And to be honest, she's one of the most famous members of the band because of yeah. how amazing she was. Um, I mean, she was considered by many to be the most charismatic member. Uh, her powerful, distinctive voice was a major factor in their success. She's best remembered for her vocals on the group's hits California Dreamin', Monday Monday, Words of Love, and also the solo of Dream a Little Dream of Me, which the group recorded in 1968 after learning about the death of Fabian Andre, Andre, sorry, one of the men who co-wrote it. Um, Michelle Phillips had met him years earlier, so they, they did this as a sort of mark of respect. So, uh, right. yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Quiz question. Do you know how the mum- mamas and papas got their name? 
I do not know how the Mummers and Puffers got their name. Well, they were actually originally going to be called the Magic Circle, spelt circle, spelt as in C Y R C L E. Um, okay. But they obviously didn't call themselves that. Uh, they chose Mummers and Puffers through being inspired by Hell's Angels, believe it or not, because they call really? their female biker friends Mummers. Oh, okay, interesting. I don't know where the puffers came from, but... Well, I suppose from from mummers, it's not a big leap to puffers, is it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> well, they could have just been called the mummers. The mummers. Eh, mama. I don't know. Eh, yeah. mama. Yeah. Anyway, the mummers <laughs> and puffers quickly gained fame with hits like California Dreaming and Monday Monday, like I mentioned, but now I'm going to get into Nitty Gritty. But troubled relationships between members and drugs ended their union only after three years. It's not very long. So No, not very long. Uh, so there is a lesson, dear band friends who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't party too hard. Um, anyway, the first time the band took acid was when they decided to take a trip. And apparently one of them closed their eyes and pointed on a map. And uh, that would be where they'd head to. So it was like a total guessing game. Cher replicates this in Mermaids, where where they're going to move to next. Close your eyes, hits them out. That's not very interesting, right. but anyway. Um, oh, I, I thought that was quite interesting. Well, anyway, they ended up at the Virgin Islands, and they camped on a beach, drank rum, maxed out their credit cards, and Cass handily supplied liquid LSD. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so their journey with drugs began. Well, I don't know that it was... <laughs> I'm sure they were all doing stuff before then. But anyway, yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think, think that's you where necessarily it starts, go from, really. from zero to liquid, liquid LSD. LSD. <laughs> it's the 60s, man. They did anything. Well, that's true. Um, and then also another interesting fact. In 1967, um, the band were travelling on a boat to the UK when they learned that a policeman was waiting on shore with a warrant for Cass Elliott's arrest. So they were like ditching their drugs over the side of this boat. I think that would be quite. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's it's like one of those little Thames clippers they were on, but I think they were probably <laughs> on a big boat coming from Europe rather than like doing one of those little tourist boats along the Thames. Yeah, for sure. Is there a I like your image better, on board? PC Muffin <laughs> is waiting at Pier. I don't know. <laughs> there wasn't even Thames clippers back then, but anyway, uh, or not not for everyday passengers don't think anyway but uh yeah so apparently there was a police officer waiting for arrest for stealing towels and not paying a hotel bill the last time they visited the uk amazing um she actually did go to court for this so this isn't like a i'm pretty lie. sure i'm pretty sure there's a story uh about the clash something to do with stealing towels i think everyone's from hotels and getting towels. in trouble for it well, they either stole towels or crapped in the corner of a room or threw something out of a window. It was like one I of feel the like three. it's such it's such a shit rock and roll thing, like such a like not actually rock and roll thing to get in trouble for for stealing towels. I don't. Like, I, I just don't even think the police would bother to follow up on something like that. Now, uh, yeah, but, surely but they not. Did, but they did back then, and she ended up in court. Um, but they had to drop the charges because there wasn't enough evidence. But then Cass later, um, when she was playing live, said to the audience. Yeah, I did. I did steal a couple of sheets actually. So it wasn't <laughs> I, towels. I stole it them was, towels. It was some sheets. <laughs> stole some bed sheets. Yeah, but th- I mean that's I mean, I not feel, that's not the most rock like and roll thing here. But that's yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I wouldn't want to steal hotel bed sheets that have been used by lots and lots of people. Yeah, but they. I don't know. Did did were I mean 
don't know, pretty much anyone can stay in a hotel now. And I'm not saying you couldn't back then, but I think it was a luxury that not a lot... I, I, and actually, if they're touring, they might have been staying somewhere really plush. I suppose so. But I still, still. don't think I'd steal the sheets. I don't think I'd steal the sheets. Maybe she just did for shits and giggles, I don't know. <laughs> I would put, if, if I was going to do it, it would just be for shits and giggles, to be fair. <laughs> okay, well, theft and drugs aside for the moment, um, another problem with the band was good old-fashioned bed-hopping. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Michelle, who was married to John, had an affair right. with bandmate Denny. Okay. Um, John was also putting it about, but he was pretty pissed off when he found out about the bandmates, but he did he did forgive them. Um, then mm-hmm. Michelle also had a brief affair with Jean Clark from The Birds, um, right. which then saw her being kicked out of the band. She was like suspended for bad uh-huh. behaviour and then let back yeah. in. Um, and as for Cass, <laughs> which is pretty sad, she was in love with Denny. No. And even after the band split up, later I read, um, I can't remember where I read that, but... Um, she she asked him to marry her and he said no. Um, but I mean, they were never together, so I don't know, but she, she was in love with him, um, but he just wasn't interested. So it was a Not pretty... It. it. was a pretty fucked up tangle of drugs, love and lust. Um, mm-hmm. It was an absolute mess, which would ultimately see the band split up because of the infighting. Um, but back to those affairs, although Michelle Phillips had been cheating on her husband a number of times, as mentioned, John was also cheating on her as well. One of John's affairs was with American actress Mia Farrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, love her. Everyone getting drawn into this. Yeah. Every- oh, oh, there, there's more. Ooh. I've started off with the light stuff. This gets darker. Okay, I'm, 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 this gets I'm a lot darker. It's going. Um, Mia was married to Frank Sinatra. And an affair took place while old Frankie boy was way on tour. Now, anyone who's a Frank Snarch fan or or even just knows of how he came to... Anyway, yeah, there, there's a whole story about how he came to success and who his friends were and stuff like that. But one of his friends is, is said to be um, a Chicago mafia boss. Okay. Um, and so basically, allegedly... Uh, Frank went to see this mafia boss, said he was so pissed off about this whole John thing, and then this mafioso boss allegedly sent some mobsters to pay John a little visit, and John was like, you know, he's reported as saying after this happened, you know, oh yeah, I really wasn't bothered, and I really wasn't intimidated at all, but I did think it was a good idea to acquire a small collection of weapons because <laughs> that's what you do when you're not bothered at all exactly just start collecting exactly. a few weapons um, just I, to you know i mean look there's there's a lot of hearsay about this so we don't know for sure if any of this actually happened but i mean i is... suppose maybe in america just collecting some weapons isn't that big of a deal no no i suppose not i mean every yeah maybe it's just a, maybe it's i a just i just thing. what do you think was in his small collection of weapons well that's true like what what is a small collection of weapons what, that would, you, mean, what like, would you have a cut what would I have in my small collection of weapons? Yeah. Uh, machete, where I go mm. first. Don't know why. Yep. Um, probably, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I can't claim to have any weapons. The closest I... thing I have to a weapon is this beer bottle 
and like a large spoon right now. You don't have any <laughs> kitchen knives, Kerry. You're like living the student life. You don't have any kitchen oh, knives. Oh, no, I do. I do have kitchen knives. So you there. have weapons. But for some reason, I went to the beer bottle and the spoon first as the <laughs> <laughs> usable weapons. I think that what we can conclude from this is I would be useless in any sort of battle. <laughs> for me, I'd, my, my small collection would be like, suddenly I just went to Goonies and setting booby traps oh, around yeah. the house. Or like Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street, which he does that to sort of trip. Or home, so home Alone. Yeah, exactly. That's where I've gone. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Booby traps all the way. All about the booby traps. So if, is that what you're going to do if you're ever in trouble or fearing the mafia for some reason? You're just going to booby trap your entire house? Well, it would for me, I think, okay, booby trapping your house to give you some time to escape is better uh-huh. than killing some people. That would inflame True. the situation, wouldn't it, really? If you took out a few of, like, the family, you know, yeah. that's that's a lot worse than... Than someone tripping over, a, landing a in a bucket of piss or something. Um, <laughs> bucket of piss. I don't know. Okay, I'd have to. I'd have to store that for a while to fill a whole next, bucket. Uh, and it's gonna smell Next time, next time I come round, I'm just gonna be watching out to make sure I don't trip over any buckets of piss. <laughs> well, you've got you've got two weeks to collect up your piss. <laughs> Because you're in quarantine. <laughs> oh, yes, save it just in case we run out of water and need something to drink. <laughs> this is going to a really wrong place. I don't drink. Urine. Let's move on. Let's move. Let's move, move on. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Right. So, um, the other legend. Actually, this isn't a legend. This did actually happen. Um, on the eighth of August, nineteen sixty-nine. Do you know what happened on that date? Say the date again, I wasn't listening. The 8th of August, 1969. <laughs> 8th of August, 1969. I, nothing is springing to mind. If you were a fan of true crime, you would know this. <laughs> anyway, John had been invited to Roman Polanski's house. Well, it okay. was Roman's and Sharon Tate's house. Any clues of that? Um, no. But he couldn't make it because he was off his face on drugs. Which was pretty Standard. lucky f- for him as that was the night that the Manson family murders took place. Oh, okay. And so Sharon yeah, Tate with you and her now. friends were murdered yeah. quite viciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with you. Yeah, so that, so it, that was a, a lucky escape for old Johnny boy. Um, although <laughs> Polanski actually suspected him of being behind the murders in revenge because um, Roman had actually had an affair with his wife Michelle. Right. <laughs> it just it just doesn't stop. They're all She's never ending. Everyone's shagging everyone back then. Um <laughs> I mean Phillips even had to testify in the, the Manson trial. Um casted too, actually, as several of wow. her boyfriends, um ex boyfriends, sorry, were drug dealers who were suppliers to the Man- Manson family. Mentally. So uh lesson learnt there Bed hopping isn't cool and don't do drugs <laughs> or do if the alternative is getting murdered horrifically by some freaky ass cult. True. If anything, some mixed messages there. Yeah, it's kind of, you've got to find your own way, haven't you, really? <laughs> Gotta go your own way. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm nearly finished. But there are some more disturbing things that you need to know about the sweet, innocent uh, 
peace-loving hippies. Um, so John and Michelle bought a mansion in Bel Air, as you do, complete with peacocks. I mean, if you're gonna have a mansion in Bel Air, get some fucking peacocks. Well, is would that be your bird of choice? Uh, yeah, probably. What would be your bird of choice? Some battery hens, as in not you know recovering <laughs> battery hens, not actually starting a battery hen eggs. farm. But I yeah. guess it depends on whether you want utility or like aesthetic. <laughs> but if you're getting a mansion in Bel Air, I feel like just you know live it up. I mean, maybe the peacocks came with it. It said, you know, they bought a mansion in <laughs> Bel Air complete with peacocks. Do you, think, do you think that whenever anyone buys a mansion in Bel Air, it just comes with peacocks? I mean, maybe maybe that was the deal back then. Or, or, maybe, or maybe, maybe it was I just hope, like... I know, hope that's true now. What, what did you get with your mansion? <laughs> well, I got some peacocks. Yeah, I got, I got a falcon. <laughs> Can you imagine someone else like, I got an annoying fucking parrot that calls me a dickhead every day. <laughs> I've, got, I've got like a fucking woodpecker that i never see it's just really irritating yeah it's just this fucking noise all that's time. like that's that's the bel-air lottery when you uh when you buy a house depends how much money you got i suppose um yeah maybe <laughs> anyway the pair had parties regularly uh with their movie star friends uh including oh movie star and music friends i should add including beatles they get about there mm-hmm. um and the rolling stones and when visitors arrived at the house, they were handed LSD as soon as they entered. Okay. And uh, there were like bowls of cocaine on offer. So sort of like party nibbles. Okay. Really, I suppose. I mean, if you come so to my just, house, you'd be... I was about to say. <laughs> be lucky to get anything. Occasion. I, feel, I feel like sometimes there's some millionaire shortbread on offer. <laughs> Sometimes you might even get a slice of toast for breakfast. Oh, it's rare, but it happens every now and then. Yeah. Um, mm. (laughs) I've lost myself. Where am I? So, yeah, Beatles, cocaine. So, John Phillips became friends with Keith Richards from Rolling Stones. They were known to be drug buddies. Um, And actually, they attempted to make an album together in the late 70s. As you can imagine, they were wasted for most of the time in the studio, uh, being off their face on drugs. So the label decided, not surprisingly, don't think we're going to release this. <laughs> um, although they did when John Phillips died. Right. I would be interested to hear that. Oh, that was going to be my question to you. Interested in hearing it or don't give a fuck? But yeah. Uh, um, I'm interested in hearing it. Yeah, I think. I think... Maybe we could do a review of it, a critique. Maybe we should. Um, in the next episode, or we'll just completely forget. Well, no, I'll do a critique, because I've got nothing else to do right now. So, um, <laughs> I was going to say, you'll remember, because you'll edit this, for one thing. And true. then that will remind you, and then you won't have anything else to do. So you'll just do a little review of it, probably. Okay. All right, another link to the Rolling Stones is that... Um, Mick, and I, d- I didn't know if this was true or not. And then I googled and found loads of articles from, from uh, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, right. So another link to the Rolling Stones is Mick Jagger uh, was also a friend and invited Phillips and his daughter Mackenzie over for tuna tuna salad sandwiches. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> tuna salad. She's pretty sandwich. random, right? Like, 
a very then, specific detail. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not sure that bit's quite true. That sounds a little bit weird to me. But anyway, but then he sent John Phillips out for more mayo and then locked him out of the house so he could have sex with his daughter. What the fuck? And Mick was married to Jerry Hall at the time. Um, and what I was going to say was I didn't know if this was true because the tuna sandwich thing just sounded like who invites someone do you want to come over and have a tuna sandwich it's like that's not a thing unless that's code for something else but um code for i'm gonna have sex with your daughter i don't know well (laughs) listen to what else happens um but yeah but his daughter does actually say in a number of interviews that this this definitely happened so i think we have to take that as as yeah that it happened um so between all four band members the mum and mama and papa's Became mama and papas. They had uh, 11 children <laughs> in total. Wow. Uh, both of John's kids from his first marriage developed drug addictions by the time they were 14. One of his kids, Holy aged shit. 10, was introduced to rolling joints by her dad um, and then also taught how to inject cocaine. So the mamas and papas, despite their name, not very responsible parents. No, I think, it, yeah, exactly. It's, um, which I'm surprised... That there's there's in in the UK here there's for those that are listening abroad because we do have two listeners from Canada. That's one exciting. From I can't remember where a few a few from Europe, so they might not know Ooh. the shop. But there is there's a shop called Mamas and Papas that sells like, oh, everything yeah, you need for if you're having a baby. And so it's just quite ironic that yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if they knew this about the mamas yeah. and papas before. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'll never be able to sort of look at that shop in quite the same way again. <laughs> now I'm always going to be thinking about this. I'm going to be like, nah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're clearly planning on having a child. Well, no, I'm not. But I do know other people who are having or have children who I do occasionally remember to buy gifts for. Not often, <laughs> being <laughs> honest, because I'm just a really shit friend at the moment. But Mamas and puppies uh, is I do expensive. Try. It is expensive. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably outside of my price range anyway. Anyway, so after they broke up, John Phillips began a solo career that was not nearly as successful and he got a bit depressed about that. So um, his drug addiction spiralled out of control but in 1980, he finally checked himself into rehab with his third wife. And his daughter also uh-huh. joined them. Mackenzie joined oh them. Days. So it was like a little weird family detox holiday. Fa- family rehab holiday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, wow. so Phillips came out and he was actually cured of his drug addiction. Um, an article say, but he instead became an alcoholic, which I would say, well, that's still a drug addiction I suppose yeah but anyway so he became an alcoholic and he died at the age of 65 from complications after a liver transplant Mm. now this is another weird thing about him um eight years after her father died Mackenzie Phillips published an autobiography that claimed the two had a sexual relationship. Oh my god! As oh. I nearly knocked my microphone over. Um, yeah, she said it was that. So it's such a dramatic realization. Dun, 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 it wouldn't. No, I mean, I think wow. it was awful. But she said that's um, really awful. She said her sexual relationship with her father was consensual, and it continued for ten years. What? Because actually, insane. they went on after the band um, split up. John obviously being obsessed because it was him who started the band. Or whatever he sort of formed a new version of it. 
and his daughter was in that band. It's just all really creepy, isn't it? Oof, it's um, really creepy. But to be honest, none of none of John's wives say that this is true, and they point out that their daughter had a pretty full history of drugs, um, and she right. also sold her story to a number of tabloids. Um, but I mean, to be honest, that doesn't mean that it's untrue. And there's a lot of parents who turned a blind eye to their kids being abused, and to this day still don't want to admit it. But yeah, I mean, for sure. I you know she says it happens and i think we have to believe that um yeah yeah so but i mean but even even without the incest bit of it i mean he pretty he fucked her life up he was a shitty person that's the thing kind of i'm i like you say i agree we sort of have to believe that it's true but whether it's true or not to even be in a place where she would say it means that you're not you've been you know doesn't suggest a good relationship does it no it doesn't and so i'm just i'm just going to do what happened to the other band members after the 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 break so i know i've rambled on a little bit about this but i do think it's quite an interesting story it's really interesting um so crazy it's it's mental (laughs) and there's there's still more to come um so after the breakup of the mamas and papas um mama cass embarked on a solo singing career in october 1968 she made her solo debut headlining debut even headlining in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace. Um, but before that, she'd gone on like a six month crash diet before the show, losing a hundred of her 300 pounds um, in a bit of a dangerous way. She was known yeah. to kind of do, and she admitted it like she was always doing these really bizarre diets that weren't particularly safe or healthy Mm-hmm. Uh, losing a lot of weight only to rapidly put it back on which is which is not great anyway um no, of course. but according to elliot um the weight loss led to a stomach ulcer and throat problems which um she treated by drinking milk and cream which then made her regain 50 pounds there's sure. other people saying that she was also doing a lot of like smack at that time yeah but i mean you know who knows what was going on but you know she wasn't a very well person she she was sick in bed for three weeks before the opening show and even though her friends urged her manager to cancel the show um she felt that it was too important and insisted on performing that was Cass insisted on doing it mm-hmm. um so sick and having barely rehearsed at all she began to fall apart on stage during you know the first performance her voice was weak and barely audible and the large crowd was really unsympathetic to this. And at the end of the show, um, Elliot actually came back on stage and apologised to the audience. And mm. then the second show that I think it was either later that day or the next day, majority of the audience just walked out. It was that bad. Really? So wow. she was in a pretty bad state. And it wasn't until sort of... So 1973, she hired a new manager... Alan Carr, who was also managing the careers of like Tony Curtis and Margaret and Peter Sellers. And uh, Elliot was then, you know, she was coach, she had a good manager who guided her career. Um, and Carr basically told her that, you know, she should really leave pop and rock music behind and head into the cabaret circuit, that that was probably more where she, she belonged these days. So she put a show together, um, you know, obviously had some of the old favourites in there also some new songs that were written by friends um and so so mama cass no longer mama cass um cass elliott felt ready to tackle las vegas once again and this time she premiered at the flamingo uh and got rave reviews 
So yeah, wow. it was it was it was a good move for her. So um, she brought it back. Yeah, she brought it back. Did have you ever been to Vegas? I have been to Vegas. A couple Did you of go times, to the but... Flamingo Hotel? Uh, I don't know that I did actually. Has, I don't think I went to the flamingo. Has real flamingos? Does it? Yeah, they do. Like wandering about the ground, not in the casino, obviously, but um, <laughs> like in the garden bits. I mean, yeah. you know, my time in Vegas, every ho- it's crazy. There's there's a hotel well, yeah. with like a whole bloody zoo in there. Well, that's like, the thing. Like yeah. I we I stayed in a one of the. I've been there twice. One of the times we stayed at the MGM, and yeah, they have like lions in the hotel. Yeah, it's just completely insane yeah we stayed at um new york new york which has a roller coaster that goes through the hotel the whole i can't speak the hotel um (laughs) it's weird when you're when you've got headphones on and you can't really hear your voice yeah i'm finding it really weird i'm really finding it hard to to speak um yeah i keep wondering if i'm I keep feeling like I'm mispronouncing words. Or I always really do that anyway, them. but I'm going to use that as an excuse. It's because of the headphones. It's all the headphones. <laughs> so, yeah, we are coming to the end. So, on the 29th of July, 1974, Cass Elliot, aged only 32, died in her sleep at a London flat where she was staying. Her death was due to heart failure. Uh, drug screening that was part of the autopsy revealed that there weren't any drugs in her system. So, mm-hmm. you know, she she really had... You know, turns her life around, which makes this even more tragic. I, I think. Um, and there's there's some really awful stories that are going around about her death, right? That say, right, she died choking on a ham sandwich. Yeah, I've heard that. She didn't. And the autopsy, like you just have to look. The autopsy, there was no. Nothing in her throat. There was no undigested sandwich and that there's mm-hmm. nothing it's just it's just a mean I think, horrible rumor yeah i think i remember seeing some something about it um that she, there was a ham sandwich like on the bedside table or something but which is where this rumor came from but she hadn't actually eaten it still horrible anyway she do, it was nothing to do with a ham sandwich um but can i tell you not but about that but you know how I like to have um, grizzly facts and woo. I think things. I know where you're going with this um, actually because I was going to say it yeah. if you didn't. So Elliot died in flat 12 on 9 yeah. Curzon Place, later Curzon Square, Shepherd Market, Mayfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's in London. Four years later, the Who's drummer, Keith Moon, died in the same room, yeah. also aged 32. Yep, I was literally about to bring that that. fact if you didn't bring it. (laughs) Kerry, you know me. That is not a fact that I would miss. I've probably got a lot of stuff stuff wrong, but that's, uh, yeah. Um, But yeah, so there's like, there's a whole rumour, right, about that curse, uh, that flat being sort of like cursed um, because, yeah, these two people died there. Yeah. But then I, I think also there were a lot of, rock and roll people sort of partying pretty hard there and so maybe two of them dying well, there that, isn't that unusual well yeah i suppose so i mean that flat and um, from what i read was i can't remember the person's name this guy who he lent it out to everyone um yeah so, it was yeah. uh it was harry nelson yeah it was his flat harry nelson yeah thank you kerry as for denny <laughs> he released a few solo lps and singles Two of note being 1970s one, What You're Gonna Do, and in 1974, Waiting for a Song, featuring both Michelle Phillips and Cass Elliott on backing vocals. So they, they kind of stayed friends. 
um, I sort of feel like John was the problem in the band mm. to a degree. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, that I feel up. that. I, just, I, feel, no, I don't I, know if it's I feel because that. of the incest thing. Um, I mean, that definitely puts a, shines a kind of fucked up light on him. And teaching his kids <laughs> how to fucking, I don't know, be junkies at an early Yeah, I don't know. Got a yeah, bad view exactly. of him, bad view of him. But um, yeah, so where am I? Back in Vegas on the record. Um, oh, he re- he joined a reforming of the Mamas and Papas. So I'll take that back. Obviously, was friends with John. Um, consisting <laughs> of John and his daughter, Mackenzie, and Elaine Spanky McFarlane. Um, <laughs> what do you have to do to earn the nickname Spanky? People being really inappropriate and slapping her ass. <laughs> yeah, probably, actually, to be fair. With her sort of, kind of you know, smiling through gritted teeth, go and touch me again and I will fucking bite your face off or something. <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. Um, anyway, they, they toured with, obviously, all the hits and some new tunes written by John um and Doxy actually later produced an off-Broadway show called Dream a Little Dream which was a narrative of his perspective for the story of the mamas and papas which I'd really like to see that actually yeah um he seems like the least messed up one <laughs> out, yeah. out of the lot um yeah anyway Denny died on January the 19th 2007 at his home in Ontario uh with kidney failure so he had a bit of a boozy um, lifestyle, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I suppose so. The last, the last member, and I am going to come to an end now, um, was Michelle Phillips, who is still alive. Yeah. Um, mm. So in 1977, she released her first solo <coughs> and only album, "Victim of Romance." Commenting on the record, she said, "I didn't do it earlier because I felt, you know, I never felt secure enough as a vocalist." I'm good, but Cass was always better. Um, and remember that review from Time magazine earlier that said that she was like one of the most brilliant singers. So yeah, she just yeah, never yeah. seemed to really appreciate how good she was, um, even to this day. Um, so yeah, she was involved in in every aspect of that record, from mixing to putting together the package and the design of the cover. So you know, she from from what what people talk about of of that time you know about women in music just being singers and and things like this you know that i just don't think a lot of people got credit for how involved women were in the production of their records yeah um, yeah for sure yeah so i don't, don't know i thought that was quite nice to have read read that and she, something positive yeah, out of this whole story she's yeah bloody hard working like you just have to look at her acting credits to her name she's been in loads of stuff and i'm really not going to reel it all off but one that did did um grab my attention just because my mum used to watch reruns of this um she starred in knots landing which i know that you have no idea what i'm talking about i was gonna about say this. i have absolutely no clue what that is she played the the character of scheming Anne matheson um yeah, uh, so I just I just remember that, but I didn't make obviously the connection at all yeah. until researching this that she had been in the Mamas and Puppers. So yeah, that was quite a nice little connection. But like I say, she's still as I've written here, she's still Alice and kicking mm-hmm. instead of alive and kicking. <laughs> she's still Alice. <laughs> it's like what? She changed her name. <laughs> was she always Alice? No, she was never called Alice. <laughs> But deep down, she was always Alice. <laughs> Go and listen to the Mamas and Papas 
it's mm-hmm. they do have fantastic music and i don't know you, a lot of their stuff that there is there, i don't want to say there's hidden messages in there but <laughs> i don't know with with knowing all of this stuff that's going on i think you have yeah, an appreciation sure. of where they were coming from lyrically and what they might actually be singing about in reality i think i think that's what's really interesting about when you learn more about sort of the lives of of the artists behind these these famous songs and what was going on because yeah. i mean obviously you never write anything without it coming from some level of, yeah. of personal experience and so it does allow you to listen to stuff in a in a new light and sort of analyze it in in a slightly different way um and also really interesting also i feel like there needs to be quite a bit of time before you actually hear the actual stories of a band because when a band's actually out there doing interviews there's no way in hell they're talking about well, oh, no, some exactly. mafia person sent some bloody stooges after me or <laughs> or i'm having sex with my daughter or or in any of any yeah. of this stuff you know none of that comes exactly. to light so you, you only kind of see the bits that people want to see so it's i don't know just looking back at it it's uh it's quite a tragic tale actually because is, yeah I think it's really sad. I don't think that anyone mm. was... I think probably the only person that ended up happy in this... Well, potentially Denny and Michelle, actually. But, you know, um, Cass dying so young. Yeah. And John with all of his crap going on, you know, just... yeah. For sure. Anyway, I'd, I'd quite like to have a cup of tea with Michelle Phillips, seeing she's still alive. Yeah. I think she'd be yeah, really, definitely. really interesting to talk to. I'm sure there's there's a whole lot of just. I'd I'd like to hear some of the the fun stories because they must have had some fun together as a band. Well, yeah, exactly and, right. Uh, I think sometimes yeah. the the stuff that gets remembered uh, and you know is obviously the the juicy bits, if you yeah. like the sort of you know the bad bits, the the dr- the drama filled bits. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to know more of just the yeah the fun stuff and because it can't have been like that all the time, otherwise they wouldn't have been doing it. Do you know what I mean? I really enjoyed looking into that one. So that was the mamas and papas. So I suppose... Um, and we were going to play all the new music at the start of the show, actually. Um, was that what we were supposed to do? I think so. I think it would be nice to kind of have them a bit a bit earlier, maybe. But I don't know. Maybe to end with one, which we will obviously like... be doing now, ending with one. Because so. that's where we're at. I quite like that we mix it up every week, that it's not always the same structure necessarily. We have a structure. It's a very Well, that's what one. I mean. Yeah. This is maybe just my excuse to not become more organised, but... <laughs> so come and tell me about the band you're playing. Okay, so uh, I am going to be playing Morning Tourist, uh, which is the kind of musical project of Sean McKinney, uh, who is a good friend of mine, uh, who I went to university with. Um, and uh, yeah, when we were at university, to be honest, we were considering we were there doing a music degree. I feel like we were all a bit crap <laughs> being musicians. <laughs> um, <laughs> we all just sort of spent our time just drinking a lot and going out. Um, but I did see him while we were at university. I did actually see him perform once at an open mic. Um, and really liked his songs. Um, he's a really good lyric writer um, and songwriter. And then I lived abroad a lot. And then since I've been back in London, um, I've sort of reconnected with him again. So he's now uh, essentially a London-based singer-songwriter. Um, he, uh, I've played a few gigs with quick him question. recently. Quick question. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, being at uni, was it was it like a, a time where it was all LSD and 
bed hopping? Is there some <laughs> secret stories here that I need to know about? Uh, no, not really. I mean, none, so, certainly not between me and Sean. And uh, in terms of anything else, nothing I'm going to get into on this podcast. Uh, I just there was a lot of drinking alcohol, but beyond that, no, not really. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, so I've played. I've played a few shows actually, uh, playing drums for Morning Tourist uh, recently. Um, he kind of has like a bunch of different musicians who play for him rather than kind of a set band. They're sort of like the main band, but he likes to. He always says he likes to keep it in the family. So it's just, you know, oh, you get that's, no, don't say that. I know. I, I said don't, that. And then don't I was like, say that. That's just an awkward. Especially after awkward the thing. story I just did. Don't do it. He's going to, he is going to be so unimpressed with how this is going. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, basically, uh, I mean, uh, this song I'm going to play, uh, is called Boom Chasers. Uh, it's from, uh, his EP Quiet Lives, Quiet Lives, even. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of asked him what he was up to at the moment. Um, but uh, as with everyone, everything has stopped, right? So he would have had some upcoming gigs, but they're all cancelled. Um, he was working on recording some new material, but that's all been postponed for now. Uh, so you can basically expect some new song releases from him post-pandemic, <laughs> basically. Um, so for now, uh, you know, this EP is there on Spotify. It's there on Bandcamp, um, on all sorts of places. So definitely go check it out but let's have a listen to it so this is boom chasers dig until the dirt runs out there's nothing buried in the ground it's all gone it can't be found boom chase the oil town Follow fish into the open mouth of the grizzly bear Chowing down If that's a safe bet I'm not convinced yet Now 
that was Boom Chasers uh, by Morning Tourist. Uh, check out his EP, Quiet Lives, uh, on Spotify or Bandcamp or wherever you listen to music. Uh, you can find uh, him on all of the social places. His handles on kind of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is all just Morning Tourist. Um, so go check him out because he's fab. That's cool. And thank you to everyone that's listening and people that have joined us on Patreon or follow us on any sort of social channels at all. This podcast is going to become like our absolute lifeline. I mean, certainly for me at the moment, it's... I'm in isolation, guys, for two weeks. And who knows if we'll even be allowed out in two weeks' time. So, um, yeah. When you're, I don't know... When, when you're people whose lives sort of revolve around music, it also kind of revolves around being around people. And I mean, we hang out at least twice a week, if not more, for sort of band related or social things, right? Yeah. Um, normally. And so the idea of uh, being isolated, I think, for, for all of us is quite terrifying, to be honest. I think it is for, for everyone. And uh, I don't know, for for me, I just need to... I mean, obviously, I'm going to still do a lot of writing, but we write together, so that's... Yeah. It's a different way of working, I suppose, if it's over the, the interweb. But, um, but, yeah, again, I think we will find ways to, to make that work and to still make that happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, like doing our live stream, as soon as we knew that our gigs were cancelled and we felt quite shy about doing it because we don't normally do stuff like that... I think it was a really good thing to do and I've seen loads of bands doing streams now as well and I think it's great and for a short while hopefully that's that's going to be our reality is that the best way to connect with people is is online and I'm incredibly grateful that that we've got this platform to do this to still have a conversation and sort of share our love of music and some of the bands that we've been exploring with 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 other people maybe we've made some people laugh maybe we've made people really angry and they've gone this is shit and <laughs> but then gone and discovered something else brilliant because of that you know i don't you know this isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea but there are people no. listening and i just want to say thank you for listening yeah massively and thank you you totally can drop us a message it'd be lovely to hear from some of the people out well I say some of them not all of you but no you can you can all <laughs> message us you can all message us maybe we'll read out some some comments online um we had a really nice message from um Pete about the bangles story that that Paula did and there's some artwork I think I mentioned before so I'm going to wait till Paula can can come back on I think she's doing the next show with me uh and and we'll sort of revisit visit that and uh you know, we, we had a message from one of our patrons saying, you know, I don't, I don't normally listen to podcasts. I normally avoid them, but I listen to yours and I really liked it, especially like the bonus podcast material. And I don't know, he, you know, and, and to me, it's, it's, you know, the fact that we change someone's mind just about podcasting is, is a good Pretty thing because cool. maybe they'll go on and listen to some of the podcasts that, that I love, you know, not not just music-based ones, but on all sorts of subjects. They're, I, I love podcasts, so I'm happy that we're able to do one, and I am rambling. <laughs> Standard. <laughs> What's new? Yeah, and burping. You know there's that kind of little silent throat burps? They're not like a proper yeah, burp. Yeah, I, I think we're both responsible for them drinking our beers right now. Yeah, they're, they're kind of happening a lot. 
Anyway, I suppose, should we head over to the locked-in for our um, family members over at Patreon? Yes, we definitely should. Yeah? Okay. We need to think of something cool to do for that. We'll we'll have to come up with that in a minute, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we could... Everything is so well-planned. I know. What we will do is use those throat burps to do a cover of... Uh um, these boots are made for walking. We're going to burp oh, it along. So yes, if you want to hear that, you're going to have Challenge to join accepted. us <laughs> over on Patreon. Okay, thanks for listening. Over and out.